Hey everybody, it's Sean from the Listen In Podcast. We are back again with another recap of HBO's Vinyl. This is for the Season 1 finale, Episode 10, entitled Alibi. Uh, so overall, Season 1 of Vinyl, it had its ups and downs. Um, if you listen to our previous recaps, you know that some of the storylines, um, in particular the murder and mob storyline, didn't really seem to fit into the overall arc of the show or it really didn't complement what the show was doing well. Um, you know, the music industry pieces, uh, the nasty bits, and seeing how the music industry worked, that's when the show really uh, shined. Uh, but, you know, characters like Richie, they, he, he was pretty unlikable for, for a large chunk of the season. So uh, let's dive into how all of those storylines played out uh, in this f season finale. Uh, so the first thing that I want to talk about is the culmination of the murder and mob storyline with Zach and Richie. So Zach thinks he's going to get Richie out of American Century uh, by voting him off. Um, so he ends up going to Galasso um, to kind of let him know what his plan is and that, you know, what a bad person Richie is. Um, so everything seems to go well initially at the meeting. Zach thinks he's going to get Richie out of there. Uh, and then Galasso ends up showing up at American Century to talk it out with the both of them. Uh, basically, he threatens to kill both of them uh, and still expect to collect his money uh, if they don't work it out. He really doesn't care what personal problems they have. He just wants his money. Uh, so this is, you know, typical mob behavior. Uh, and then in the process of doing this, uh, Galasso actually incriminates himself uh, on the bug that is in Richie's office. Uh, so he talks about his chop shop that he has in the Bronx. So the cops pick up on this. They go and, and bust that operation. Uh, and then Galasso is immediately suspicious of someone ratting on him. So he brings in Richie, he brings in Zach, and he brings in Joe, the guy who murdered Buck Rogers in the first episode. And he's like, what the fuck? What's going on? Who ratted on me? Uh, basically, Zach and Richie are scared shitless, especially Zach. He doesn't know how to deal with these situations. Uh, and Joe, like he's done the whole season, ends up running his mouth a little bit too much. Uh, and then Galasso thinks that it was him. He ends up getting shot in the back of the head. Uh, so this kind of wraps up the whole storyline with the murder, with the mob. Basically, since Joe is now dead, there's no more witness for the Buck Rogers murder, which would indicate that Richie... Uh, is scot-free at this point. Um, it seems like Galasso just gives Zach and Richie a warning that they should just con um, be concerned with making money. Uh, so hopefully we don't see a lot of this in, in season two because, like I said, this was one of the least interesting parts of the season. It was one of the storylines that worked um, pretty poorly. Uh, and it's interesting to note that Terrence Winter, the showrunner for season one, won't be back for season two. Uh, so Terrence Winter was the showrunner for Boardwalk Empire, and he had some involvement with The Sopranos as well. So, um, you know, he's clearly trying to shoehorn in some of this mob storyline into vinyl. And while I don't doubt that, you know, the mob did have some influence on the record industry during, during this time, it just doesn't make for a great story arc uh, in vinyl. Um, so hopefully what we see is, um, you know, less of a focus on this in season two with Terrence Winter moving on, um, in a new showrunner coming in. 
Uh, so the second storyline that I wanted to touch on was Clark. And it's interesting because Clark's storyline kind of came at the expense of fitting in the resolution to the mob episode. So Clark, as you know, was trying to get people to buy or, or to, to listen to the record by Indigo, um, the band on American Century. So him and Jorge have been going around to a bunch of dance clubs in New York and have been kind of bribing the DJs to play this record. Um, it ends up charting, and, you know, it looks like American Century is going to actually have some success uh, from this band that they were originally going to dump. So I like this storyline. I like Clark kind of spearheading this disco movement and this underground dance movement. However, it all get, the, the entire storyline gets told in, like, a one-minute montage. Like, this is a character who has had an entire season's worth of, like, struggles. He went from being, you know, the hotshot A&R rep at the start of the season to getting fired into crying about it, to getting demoted to the mailroom, to having to, you know, interact with the mailroom guys who clearly didn't like him, to becoming friends with Jorge. He's actually had a really nice arc in, in development throughout this season, and it felt a little bit cheap to kind of cap that off with just a one-minute montage of him having success. It is cool, but I wish we could have seen a little bit more of that and a little bit less of this wannabe Goodfellas slash Sopranos storyline that we got with Carrado, Richie, and Zach. Um, so really the highlight of this episode was the nasty bits. Um, this is... this is, They've actually been the highlight of the entire season so far. I, my favorite parts have always been Kip, Alex, Jamie, and the nasty bits. So... Last week on a recap, we talked about how Jamie, uh, Kip, and Alex ended up having a threesome, uh, because of course they did, um, and it blows up in their face, as we all probably saw coming. So Kip is jealous, Jamie, you know, has a thing with both of them, uh, and basically Kip freaks out, tells Jamie to get the fuck out, uh, and he binges on some heroin. So this is actually, I, I, as much as I like the Nasty Bits storyline... This is actually my biggest issue with it, is that it is wrapped in a cliche. So, of course, you have the the girl coming between the members of the band. Of course, you have the lead singer of the band getting wasted on heroin or other drugs and not being able to make it to the big show later on. And, of course, you have Richie coming to save the day at the end by injecting Kip with just enough cocaine that won't kill him, but will, like, kickstart his heart and make him come back to consciousness. I also want to highlight the fact that Coke has been, like, a, a, a complimentary character in and of itself this entire season. So it only makes sense that Coke comes to the rescue in the season finale to save Kip and to save the band. Uh, so this all felt really, really cliché. Even when they got up on stage to play after all the drama happened, like, the crowd was booing them and, like, no one believed in them. Was this a thing that happened or has ever happened? Like, do people in the 1970s, would they just boo the opening act for bands? Is that normal? Like, were people just not polite then? Like, I would never think of doing that unless, like, the band was absolutely terrible and the Nasty Bits hadn't even started playing yet. Um, so just really weird to me. Obviously, it was just, you know, kind of fueling their storyline even more, but it, it felt a little disingenuous. Uh, what was interesting, though, is that uh, the show did a clear job of showing members of the Ramones in the audience, as well as members of the New York Dolls kind of off to the side. 
Um, so I guess the what they're trying to imply here is that after seeing the Nasty Bits performance, that the Ramones were uh, compelled to go and start the band and kind of kickstart punk rock. So that felt a little bit shoehorned in. Um, that wasn't as subtle or, you know, as it didn't make as much sense as a lot of the other um, artist cameos have in the in the rest of the season. But when the Nasty Bits start playing, of course they win everybody over. Uh, I do have to say that the song that they wrote with Lester, um, whatever it's called, the you know, whatever one they wrote, uh, really, really good. Uh, I actually really like that song, even though it's like kind of just a standard pop punk song. I think I think it's really, really good, actually. I'm going to be putting that on some Spotify playlists. Uh, but basically, the Nasty Bits kill it. Um, it looks like American Century is turning things around. Um, you know, Indigo is successful. Nasty Bits are successful. The the murder rap seems to have gone away. Everything seems to be coming up Richie. So at the end of this episode, where we leave it is Richie gives, you know, this, this heartfelt speech about the background of Alibi Records and, you know, what music really means to people and, and why they do this. And they end up having kind of this raucous party inside the American Century offices where they're like spray painting the walls uh, and it seems like they're breaking through that that mold of just being like um, you know an old school record industry uh, old school record label who who doesn't get it um, so this felt a little bit forced as well this was kind of another cliche where it's like oh we're sticking it to the man like you know I don't know if that felt totally um, I, I don't know. I just, it just didn't feel totally genuine uh, as it was coming across. And the other thing that actually ended up happening, and I think they set this up for season two pretty well, is Zach's downfall. Um, I think Ray Romano actually did a really good job this season in his role as Zach. Um, you know, a comedic actor who you wouldn't really expect to do a good job in a drama actually put forth a pretty good effort here and acting performance here. So he... He went from thinking he was going to get Richie out of the company uh, to basically witnessing a murder right in front of him, uh, thinking he was going to die, and then having Richie come in and save the day and kind of marginalize him again. Um, you know, compliment with the fact that he had this whole thing with Xavier, um, kind of his David Bowie ripoff that he was trying to promote. You know, who knows where that's going to go. But, you know, that look that Zach gave Richie at the end of the episode tells me that things aren't good between them um, and there it's going to be a, a major point of contention between the two of them for season two. Um, overall, I, I enjoyed this season. I would give it a B plus overall. Um, like I said, some of the storylines didn't totally work at times, but it was really cool to see how the music industry operated in the 1970s. Uh, looking ahead to season two, uh, I, I, I really do hope that we get less of the Goodfellas stuff we get more of the music industry stuff. Um, I hope we get some more Dev, too. Dev is a really interesting character. She wasn't in the finale at all, which was disappointing to see. Uh, I think they could do a little bit more with her character and rather than just have her you know, be a secondary character in the wake of Richie's destruction, have her actually do some cool stuff. They, they started to do that a little bit, but I think season two is a big opportunity to do even more with that. Uh, and then, of course, it's going to be really interesting to see how the nasty bits do with a little bit of fame. Um, I'm sure that Kip will keep abusing heroin. 
uh, and that will mean trouble for them. Uh, Leicester actually kind of gets a big win. Uh, so he gets a little bit of money for helping the Nasty Bits write that song. Um, and he says, I want to manage some more bands. So I think Lester will probably have a bigger role in Season 2 as well. Uh, he was actually one of my favorite characters in Season 1. I definitely hope we get to see a little bit more of him. Uh, but that's it for me. Uh, thanks for listening. Let me know what you thought of this episode in this season at Level 4 underscore media on Twitter. Um, also subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher or SoundCloud. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. So I'll be back next season to do these. Um, you know, if there's any other musical TV shows, movies, documentaries, whatever it might be, um, we can absolutely do recaps on those. So stay tuned. Thanks. Bye.